1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Jared Goff takes the final knee, and the final seconds are going to come off the clock here at Ford Field in Detroit. The Detroit Lions have got their first postseason win in 32 years. January 5th, 1992. They outlast the Los Angeles Rams. They win it 24-23. That is the Westwood One call. And there are a couple of teams from the NFC North that are representing the division that the Bears swore that they would take and never give back, yeah. and they're they're working on it.
3: There seems to be a couple of teams in the way, yeah, of them taking the north and never giving it
2: back. Well, they're they're working on it,
3: and and those two teams could meet in the NFC
2: Championship game next week. Carmen Vitale, Fox Sports reporter, specializes in NFC North coverage, and she can be followed on Twitter at Carmi V and can be heard now on the score hotline presented by Circa sports, Illinois. Hello, Carmen.
0: Hi guys. What an intro there. Really doom and gloom for bears. <laughs> it,
2: it's, it's, it's a rough go for sure. Are you going
3: to try to do both games or are you only going to be able to cover one?
0: No, I can only cover one. I'm going up to Detroit, so uh, I I can't be in two places at once as much as I want to be. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know there's there's a day difference. That's just with no, all the weather in the Midwest. It's I can't take that day. No, you can't. And it's the late
3: game on Saturday, so it'd be really hard yeah. for you to then get to Detroit for for the afternoon game over there. What do you think is most impressive about the way that that Detroit? has has rallied after you know some weeks where the defense wasn't very good and now find themselves one step away from the NFC title game.
0: Yeah, honestly, the most impressive thing to me, especially about this last game against the Rams, was that Matthew Stafford had a great game. He was still slinging it, and they still won. And that is what you need to see out of this Lions team because they're going to give up yardage. The pass defense has been a concern of mine all season long, and I don't think that you're going to be able to necessarily get away with that. But – you're going to have to bend, not break. That's going to have to be your M.O. If you're the Detroit Lions, you're going to have to get pressure with Aiden Hutchinson. Aleem McNeil coming back is huge for him, um, which you saw against the Los Angeles Rams. So as long as that defense can kind of put a cap on what Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and apparently Trey Palmer and David Moore and Rashad White can do on this Bucks team, I think the Lions have a pretty good chance here.
3: In watching what's happened with Dan Campbell in Detroit, as closely as you have, covering that team, why do you think he succeeded? Because one of the things that Dan and I have talked about this week is I think there's two different styles that are going on with Lafleur and with Campbell. How would you describe Campbell's style?
0: I mean, (laughs) it's pretty pretty obvious what uh, Dan Campbell's style is. He's that football guy, right? He is just... I think he gets an unfair uh, classification as one of those, like, meatheads because he's not. He is a very smart coach. He's got a great feel for the game itself. and But the thing is, he is the motivator, that beyond motivators with these guys, and he has created a culture in Detroit. I go back to last season so many times when I'm explaining who Dan Campbell is because I was in the locker room when they were in the middle of that one and six start to the season last year and the way that you would have never known it uh, that they were losing and, uh, you know, things were still kind of bad in Detroit coming off that three and 13 season, but they, everybody was still, he hadn't lost the locker room. Everybody was still happy. They were joking around. They were listening to music and that's not to say they weren't taking things seriously. It's just that they knew things were going to get better because they believe in themselves. And that starts with Dan Campbell. That starts with his staff who is, made up of a ton of former players, too. So they relate to these guys so incredibly well. And I think that that's another distinction that you see between Dan Campbell and some other coaches where he's been through this fire, he's been through these trenches at the NFL level for a very long time and also have a lot of his assistants. So that really helps these guys kind of trust the process, I feel like, a little bit more because when I tell you that these guys have this really central, singular belief in themselves that allows them to look inward. That way they can block out all the noise, good or bad. Uh, and it's why we've seen them rise to the occasion every single time.
2: I didn't think the Dan Campbell thing would work. I, I really <clears throat> didn't. And it's and it's not because of the the meathead football-y stuff. Because he is kind of a meathead, but he's not dumb. There, right. So I, I think multiple things can be true here. But what I thought would would be a headwind for him is the emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. of how hard he took losses and mm-hmm. like literally in tears after mm-hmm. losses and pumping his fist and screaming after wins. And I think some of us who grew up in the era of Tom Landry and Chuck Knoll yeah. were always you know, so you make sure that there is this this level-headed placid demeanor where you're not you're surfing the highs and and dying with every low but but I think he's been able to do it in large part because of his level of accountability. He's been very yeah. real. You know there's there's I guess there is a way to do it where you you can sort of live and die with every outcome.
0: I think a lot of these players appreciate that too. I mean, you see how some of these like listen quarterbacks should never get too high, should never get too low. That's the, that's the main thing when it comes to those guys. But if you think about some of these other positions on the field, especially you look at like DBs, you want them playing with emotion, especially when they're doing well, right? You have, they have to celebrate their wins because they're going to take their losses. And I feel like guys really respond to the fact that their coach is feeling this too, right along with them. And that goes back to being able to relate to these guys on a level that, you just can't if you haven't played the game at that level. So I, 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 there's absolutely a way to do this. Dan Campbell is writing the script or writing the blueprint for it. Um, but he is very in losses while he takes them hard. He's still very, I don't know the word. He's, he, he, takes, he takes accountability first and foremost with his, himself. He takes accountability for his players and says, you know, we need to be better at this, we need to be better at that. But let me tell you what we did good. And he talks about that as well. So it's kind of this tough love kind of, I don't know it's, it's just it's a really good way to do it that we've seen and it allows him to be so incredibly authentic and that means a lot to the city of Detroit.
3: Before we move on to the Packers, let's talk about the the team that's taken on the Lions, another team that you yeah. know really well with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I don't know if've I've seen Baker Mayfield, have as much fun as he's having this season, his whole entire NFL career. How are the Bucks here?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody really... They were left for dead earlier when, you know, Tom Brady retired and they get Baker Mayfield, and I feel like everybody kind of chuckled at that. But what was so important was the arrival of Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator. And this is a guy that was so impressive in his interview that Todd Bowles did not have a previous relationship with him. And I, I don't think Todd, Todd Bowles shied away from the fact that, like, this was a season, this was a make-or-break season for him. So for Todd Bowles to stake his career or his, with Tampa, or stake his job with Tampa on this guy, Dave Canales, you had to think that he was something special. And it turned out that he has been. He was there in Seattle and helped kind of Geno Smith's resurgence as his quarterback's coach. And no, he hadn't called plays. That was the risk you took. But you see him get better and better as the season goes on when it comes to play calling. And these guys, the the offense that they have, it can utilize so many different guys. I think I alluded to it earlier, where you got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, sure. But if you watch the game against the Philadelphia Eagles, who were the guys that scored and went off? It was Trey Palmer and David Moore. I We'll be totally honest with you guys. I didn't know who David Moore was before that. Uh, It's a way that they can, even if you take away their main playmakers, Dave Canales has figured out a way to beat you in another way. And that is the key here. I think Baker has responded to all of that. He makes things easy on Baker as well. You see a lot of quick game. You see a lot of, you know, Baker just kind of going to his first and second reads and flinging that thing. Uh, It allows for Baker to improvise a little bit. So it's a fun system, and then when you have a defense that you can really lean on, and a really fun defense at that, uh, it really makes it Baker's job a lot easier, and it just all really works. Call from
3: mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. When
3: it comes to the Packers, where do you think the moment is where Jordan Love goes from interesting quarterback prospect to one of the best quarterbacks in the league? (laughs) When did that happen?
0: Uh, hmm. I want to say it happened. It happened around midseason. I want to say it happened around the Pittsburgh game where I really started noticing, okay, A lot of this is not only Jordan Love having to get acclimated to game speed and actually executing this offense that he's known backwards and forwards for three years. That's the hard part, by the way. But it has a lot to do with his receivers and the fact that they're young too and they needed to learn the nuances of their quarterback and he needed to learn their nuances about how they like to run routes, what the timing is, all of that kind of stuff, not to mention – the Packers took a few weeks to figure out what to do after David Bakhtiari went down so early in the season. They have It's a weird, uh, you, kind of unique situation that Green Bay has with their offensive line because they have multiple offensive linemen. They're actually pretty versatile and that you can play in different spots. So that kind of made it a little bit more difficult to figure out, okay, where is the best spot for Elton Jenkins, for Zach Tom, for Rasheed Walker, guys like that. So you wanted to figure that out. They did that. And once all of that started to come together, you see Matt Lafleur open the playbook up a little bit more and you really see what Jordan Love is capable of. And that's when we're getting all of these just insane tight window throws. He loves throwing off his back foot now. And I'm like, I love that he does that, but I'm like, okay, but you can also, you know, step into throws too, Jordan. Like that's that's a possibility as well. But I do think that it was just a matter of everything kind of coming together, these guys getting more experience being secret ingredient was time and that's it's not sexy but
2: it's true well i think there's something else at work and i i hate the old trope that coaches use about distraction i really do because for the most part when you hear that it's it's just garbage and it has to do with players and their their lives away from the field or their any other you know the silly stuff about romantic interests and hobbies and all that but in the particular case of the world of Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. I would love for there to be an index that's something where I could look and measure about like the heat loss on all of your operation when he's around at this stage mm-hmm. of his career and just mm-hmm. what it has meant for all of that. To be someone else's problem now, and as hilarious as it was that Rogers was like, "Well, we got to get rid of the BS that doesn't mean anything about winning football." Like, uh, dude, you're right here, and just, just to, to to wake up for everybody in the Packers organization to wake up and say, "Ah, he's not here anymore."
0: <laughs> it, it was something that Matt, or uh, sorry, Adam Stanovich said uh, last or this week, I believe. their a uh, Packers offensive coordinator, really struck me. And it's something I hadn't considered before. Not only did you have the distractions of Aaron Rodgers and, you know, mouthing off about this, that, and the other, but you had a guy that was so confident in his skills and rightfully so. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, but that he would change. I think the Packers last year copped to like 30% of the plays, which you know, you need to like double at that point, if they're publicly copping the 30, percent And when that happens, when you have a quarterback that's changing so much within a game As much as you might trust him and know that he's talented, that does not allow you to build on a game plan. And it doesn't allow you to really set things up like you want to if you're Matt LaFleur and you're the play caller. What we're seeing now is Jordan Love operating this offense as it's intended to be. And that is allowing Matt LaFleur to make these adjustments to the point where, okay, we're going to show you this look and this look in the first half. And then guess what? In the second half, we're going to show you those same looks, but we're going to run something else out of that and keep the defense on its heels that way. You can't create that chess, uh, you know, master, masterful chess game uh, if you don't know the plays that are being called on the field, and that's what Adam Stanovich talked about. And I think it's incredibly true. So there was, in a way, distractions on the field with Aaron Rodgers that now no longer exist with Jordan Love. That's a
2: great, great point. That's a great catch. How, how do you think they would go about
3: beating this juggernaut that is the 49ers?
0: So Aaron Jones is going to have to be really involved again. And the good news is that he's had, he ended the season, I believe with three straight hundred yard games. You saw what he did against the Dallas Cowboys, which he always does against his hometown team, by the way, he's never not had a hundred yard game against them. If the 49ers have a little bit of a weakness defensively, it is against the run. And I, not only can you gash them with Aaron Jones and get yards that way, get you know production that way, but what Aaron Jones does is he settles Jordan Love down, he settles this offense down, and he makes it so that uh, Matt Lafleur can get to his entire playbook and really get creative with these offensive calls. On top of that, Matt Lafleur he was aggressive against Dallas. They took the coin, you know, they won the coin toss, took the ball, went for it on fourth and two. You're going to need to even like amp that up by a lot more because you're not going to win this game against a team that on paper is the better team if you're not aggressive. So I'm really looking forward to seeing just how much they utilize Aaron Jones, how creative they can get and how aggressive the Green Bay Packers can be in San Francisco, because at this point they're playing on house money. They don't have anything to lose. And that's a really dangerous mentality for a team to be able to go into a, uh, a game.
3: Carmen is young and fashionable. Okay. So, so I've got I've got to ask you this question because I wouldn't Dan, know anything about that. Right. Neither one neither of would. us would know anything about any of that.
1: Dan the and one. I were
3: talking about the the Travis Kelsey coat that Mrs. Youck oh. made for Taylor Swift. She's done a bunch of them before. There's a couple that are out there. I think there's even a Jonathan Owens one that Simone Biles wears. Yeah. Is that trend already over?
0: Okay, so first of all, Kristen (laughs) Yuschak has been doing this since last year. She was swagging out the 49ers uh, wags way before any of this kind of hit the mainstream. She's also been making her own outfits for a while, and that's where she got her initial practice because she self taught, which is really impressive. Uh, I think last year she took a football, a singular football, and made a shirt out of it. So it's really cool. She can do a lot of cool things. And no, I mean, this is what this has been kind of wag fashion wife and girlfriend fashion um forever and now you get to see though like a like the custom thing is so cool and you can do that means you have you don't have any limits on that so you can evolve with any trends and it doesn't necessarily have to be the jacket or the puffer or whatever she can do so many different things so i think it's really cool i wish i could afford her stuff i would have her make me like a, you know, an amalgamation of all four teams that I cover because I think that would be so much fun. But it's not – what do you mean, is it out? It's I, not out. I don't
3: know. Like, this, the, the, this you're is... repping your man,
0: especially in that, in that case, in Taylor Swift's case, and Brittany Mahomes' case. Like, you're repping your man. You're supporting him. Come uh, on.
3: Well, I feel like if Brittany Mahomes is wearing it, then it is out. But, but saying, that's a whole non- nother story. But just uh, right, wait. If, fair, if, she, but yeah. if she
2: could really scale this, like if she went on Shark Tank and, you know. and 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 said, "Here's how you scale it. Could you imagine, like, the sports parents out there yeah. that would do it for their their high school seniors on senior oh, night? Yeah. Or, I mean, that th- th- it would be incredible to take I something. Worry,
0: I worry if she scales it, and, it, and like, fanatics gets a hold oh, of it. God. Like, oh god,
2: fanatics! Is, they, have you seen the That's memes? Like the have you seen oh, the memes god. about the the, the fanatics uh, errors? Of how Dude, yes. it's, it's how, As, how, the number of mistakes. Really? Oh my God. It's they, oh. they're barely trying.
0: Oh, they are barely trying. And I, I've had so many bad experiences, experiences with them. Just them sending me the wrong stuff and it taking forever to get a hold of somebody and trying to get it fixed and all that kind of stuff. Ugh. I don't, I, I hope that that doesn't happen. I wish that there was a way for her to scale it. I don't know that there is though, because it is so custom and it is so special because she does them. Um, but I don't know. Maybe she can figure it out. I love it. I think she's very talented. I love all of the stuff. I think, you know, at least it's not pink. I hate this, like, women's wear pink sports uh, stuff. I don't know. It's so bad. So at least you're still you're using the actual jerseys. It's cool.
3: Carmen, you're the best. Have fun this weekend. We'll talk to you Thank soon. You.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, guys.